0: section five of birds and nature volume twelve number one june nineteen hundred and two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. old-fashioned outings part one the western shore of gloucester harbour rises in a succession of wooded ridges from the sea rocks which redden westward to a degree fully bearing out the sketching books in the statement that rocks are among the most highly colored of objects a sketch is brought home your rocks are too red too red exclaims the aggrieved sketcher they aren't half red enough they fairly blazed these rocks abound in chasms where trap dykes have worn away and when some trap is left the contrast in color is very striking but the main charm of this shore is the intimate association of woods with rocks and water next the rocks as a rule on high knolls and hedges thinly veiled with a dry light soil stand the pitch pines those gnarled and fragrant dwarfs with their stout prickly needles and prevailing shape of a double umbrella under favorable circumstances these grow quite tall the lone pine standing in a low moist place near the mouth of a creek attained a height of thirty or forty feet and its characteristic interesting shape was long a landmark on that shore great was the sorrow when it fell fortunately a portrait of it still exists the white pines stand back from the water on their great purple trunks and rain their rust-red needles down among the purple boulders of exactly the same shade which encumber lowland and hillside while trunks and boulders are alike besprinkled with lichens of palest green some giants used to shade the new road where it passes the red brook and the perfect level deep shadow and general dampness somehow recalled the wood at the hague although that is beech forest oaks clothe the more easterly ridges or stand alone in open pastures near the shore but the present tendency of fields which have lain open since our infancy to grow up to woodland in the last half-dozen years is deplored if not resented a ruined stone wall with a hedgerow running down toward the water divides two dear familiar fields bounded by woodland on either hand and in the row once stood alone a delightful white pine with double crown through these fields we pass on our way to certain parts of the shore and we always had a view of rocky headland white sails and dancing water over a sloping foreground dotted with fern and yellow st john's wort or goldenrod and asters according to season while we pause to pick blue curls and nuttles polygala or spiranthus and little purple gerardia at present that stylish pine is all mixed up with dowdy maples and poplars the water-view is completely blocked and we wedge our way with difficulty where we once stepped freely along a tiny track beaten hard in the thin sunburnt pasture grass running diagonally to a breach in the wall flanked by barberries and out into the big field which dipping suddenly to the level of the beach becomes a grassy swamp half way down stands a magnificent pitch pine of most luxuriant growth and very peculiar shape quite tall yet stretching one broad curving arm down the slope close to the ground like a great delicious tufted green mattress the path bearing a little to the right comes out on the beach while beyond the swamp the land rises in quite a high hog-backed hill of which after a very considerable dip on the outside enough is left to form a very bold shore ah what a view two views in fact from that outpost the inland slope of that hill eastward up the harbour over a bold headland clothed all but the crown in oak woods beautiful background to a pretty cove beyond the sloping pasture and westward past the rock along the wooded shore of norman's woe to the cliffs at rafe's chasm and the sunset one fairy sunset there was never matched anywhere in my experience the sky one dome of soft luminous pink the sea another sky the earth translucent floating between like the firmament that divided the waters a little way back from that shore ran in our day over hill dale and brook an old grass-grown road by each brook a ruined cellar reputed trace of acadian dwelling the hills are among the sharpest little pitches ever seen driving at our ease about new england nowadays we are fain to exclaim of a truth our forefathers would seem to have climbed hills by preference and laid stone walls for exercise but swamps were their horror and the poor creatures had to thread their way through mazes of them there can be no doubt that these wet areas are much restricted now leaving us but a faint idea of ancestral difficulties in this regard but even up to our time grandmothers told awe-struck children fragments of half-begotten stories of the horrors of the swamps ours told of an already nameless young soldier perhaps in the great swamp fight who sinking slowly before the eyes of his comrades pushed his watch to them over the bog bidding them take it back to his mother how it was they could do nothing to help him did not appear the magnolia swamp lies north of the ridges and some magnolia trees grow in an arm of it more accessible than the rest long before you reach a tree the dead swamp air is redeemed by their fresh fragrance if any flowers are in bloom and redeemed is well said for the swamp air of the dog-days is rendered doubly oppressive by millions of stiff white spikes borne by the obnoxious clethra in odor over barren and upsettin as aunt samantha said widows were in temper you enter over turf wherein remain divers small deep swamp holes surrounded by crimson yellow eyed grass white cotton grass and the pretty little yellow horned bladder root further in the path becomes miry and you have to put aside the long swaying wands of the swamp loose strife with its whirls of magenta bloom and catch at the shrubs to keep you out of the mud at this point the poison sumac officiously tenders aid but the path to your goal the magnolia tree leads aside into the bush where the footing is perfectly hard and peculiarly flat and it doesn't exactly quake and doesn't exactly sound hollow yet something tells you the bog is beneath and you are walking on a crust. to return to the old road it forded two brooks the red brook which runs into the sea behind norman's woe rock and the white brook which runs out amid much ivy over the rocky beach by the dry chasm the red brook must have been much bigger formerly for it turned a sawmill before seventeen hundred and the ruined dam is still to be seen a little way below the ford where it serves as a bridge this brook is charged with coloring matter from the swamps so that it lines your tin cup with gold if you chance to have escaped from the Bastille of civilization and it furnishes the most unsatisfying draught ever swallowed not a drop ever seems to go lower than your collar-button it makes one thirsty to think of it but it was lovely to look at it ran out of a great bed of cardinal jewelweed and raspberry bushes which bore monstrous berries because they stood with their feet in the water and spread out in a big red pool at the foot of a gentle dip in the grassy road and from the upper level you looked over the brook at a preternaturally steep little pitch beyond where the road climbed a pine-clad hill Bowing out to the very verge of the dark descent to a ferny swamp cradle of the brook the dark background was faced with bright growth and all in the light of sweet summer mornings with water sparkling in the bay and in the brook above the road turned sharply broadening into a a level glade set round with barberry bushes dooryard of a vanished dwelling and then turned another corner round the cellar and away this was a cherished haunt a little sidelong slippery path parallel with the brook led down a rugged slope of pine and cedar to a little bluff behind norman's woe rock here we camped out before that way of life became general except for uncle sam he had just been camping out on a large scale and so it chanced that two large round tents and sundry new rubber blankets came our way and did not go a-begging the red brook filled our kettles in a shady little glen with sides so steep we had to lower and raise ourselves by the trees and then it ran away and spread out over the sea rocks in a series of big shallow basins a famous dressing-room but the way to it was of the roughest for the red rock scaled off and literally cut the soles from our boots the summer of eighteen sixty five was very dry and so was the brook in many places therefore we slept in peace in our tents but the next year the mosquitoes fairly drove us out and we were fain to betake ourselves and our bedsacks down that jagged path to the rocks just above high-water mark where the mosquitoes left us alone until four o'clock then they descended in force and we had to get up the crows wanted us to get up at three at which unseemly hour they used to be discussing mussels at the other end of the rough bar between us and the rock we on the other hand held that meals attended with clamour especially at such an hour were tolerable and not to be endured and so arose one of those painful differences not uncommon between neighbours who cannot sympathise with each other's needs remonstrance growing vain one of the family employed a rifle a convincing argument apparently for the sitting dissolved instantly and gathered no more having learned the constellations at school we had been poking our heads out of window at all hours to see things that were not up when we went to bed and we thought it would now be very convenient to observe these matters from our beds without stirring but we never did dear robert lewis in the course of his donkey drive averred on the authority of shepherds and old folk that to the man who sleeps afield there is one stirring hour when a wakeful influence goes abroad over the sleeping hemisphere and all the outdoor world are at their feet but we knew nothing of it perhaps because we never went to bed with the fowls and had no cows or sheep to browse around us at all events and we were really disappointed that starry show was thrown away on us nobody ever woke but we woke one morning in a thick fog with the boston boat shouting its way out past us and water standing in the dimples in our blankets enough to wash our faces very passively if we had had no better chance when the sun broke through some one faced it and struck up when the sun gloriously and the rest like so many troop-horses bounded and stood in choir order and went on comes forth from the ocean making earth glorious chasing shadows away then do we offer thee our prayer of devotion god of the fatherless guide us guard us to-day the other verse we sometimes sang at sunset undaunted in our heyday by its melancholy tone and then we piled a big fire of the fragrant red cedar to light our supper table and our evening pretty silver mounted trinkets cut from the rich heart of this thenceforth precious wood and polished on the spot are still in being ready, as our camp laureate had it, to sing in praise of summer days in camp at Norman's woe, Helen Mansfield, of section five.